This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True Crime Crime New New England. England. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you are doing great and that life is going well for you as it is for somebody. (laughs) I was going to say for us, but I don't know. Well, (laughs) for somebody out there. Okay. Yeah, that's all right. Could be worse. Yeah. If you listened last week, you learned that we officially have a website. Yes, so check that out if you have not already, truecrimene.com. Very cool. So cool. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into that. Damn straight. Lots of work. Yeah. So if you're so inclined and you truly do support us and love us like you say you do, you're going (laughs) to check out the website. I mean, no pressure. No pressure. Yeah. It's fine. I think it looks pretty good. I think it does. Not to my own horn. Toot toot, bitch. You did great. (laughs) But on top of that, we have some more exciting stuff coming up. And I want to point out that Katie has been planning this. I literally think episode one, (laughs) you already had this mapped out. And it was so... This matches... Katie's aesthetic. It matches her whole <laughs> lifeblood, and it's amazing. And we're so excited. So, what we have been plotting for the whole month of October for all of our True Crime Thursday episodes, yep. they are going to be Halloween themed. Or, you know, spooky, spooky Halloween themed <laughs> for the month of October. Yes. So, we're very excited. We have some really cool cases lined up, and yep. I feel like New England just has such a cool essence of. The ghost of, <laughs> of podcast history. <laughs> Just kidding. That was Ladybug. I'm leaving that in. That was perfect timing. <laughs> anyway. uh, I wasn't expecting that either, the way my face dropped. <laughs> that's Ladybug. That's the kitten playing with the blinds. You she's, might have heard that too in our last episode. <laughs> she's annoying as fuck. She's so cute. She's a kitten. What do you expect? I feel like New England really captures a certain essence of Halloween that I really like. Yeah. Um, you know, we have Salem Mass, and we have all these really cool attractions and all these really mm-hmm. cool kind of spooky Halloween things yeah. going on. Um, there's a whole New England haunted road trip I've always wanted to go oh, on for forever. Oh, my God. We should plan that. 100%. We can do it in a day. Okay. Um, there's different you know, kind of stops where you can spend an overnight in the Lizzie Borden house. No, and thank you. Can do you. This and you can do that, and this hotel's haunted, and you can. But there's also just a day trip where you go through like a haunted nice. cemetery and all this. But cool. Yeah, I feel like because New England, it was you know the 13 original colonies. Right. There's so much history, and there's also a lot of, you know, slavery, and it, yeah. we're all on stolen land, and right. there's a whole lot of haunted shit, and there's a lot of For ghosts sure. and paranormal stuff. So. I'm very excited for our spooky Halloween October. We have really cool cases. I'm so yes. excited. So I, you excited. have been planning it literally from day one. From day one. So I am so excited to do them with you. So I don't think I could ever do it as much justice as you can because I know you're already going to be just all the info, every little bit. It's your stuff. It's your, it's your lifeblood. Yes. 
Um, and some of the photos on our Instagram, kind of our filler posts, if you will, mm -hmm. um, they're film photos that I've taken. Yep. And if all goes according to plan and I get my film developed in time, mm -hmm. And if it develops nicely, yeah. we will have some very cool film photos on our Instagram and maybe on her website yes. that go along with some of the spooky Halloween cases we'll cover. Amazing. So yeah, very excited. I'm so excited. Very and excited. guys, if you're ever thinking about doing your own podcast or blog, take your own pictures. You don't have to deal with copyright and sources. Yeah. So thank God Katie is talented in photography because- Thank you, I try my best. <laughs> she's, I mean, she does a great job. And thank you. Our logo is her photography, is our, her picture, which mm -hmm. is amazing. And all the pictures that are like fillers, essentially, are pictures that Katie took. So, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so today we have a case that was actually recommended to us mm -hmm. by a listener. Yeah. And we are so excited to be covering it because they gave us a lot of really great information and sources that we got a lot of our information from, which is awesome. Yeah. So thank you um, to that listener for giving us this case. Yeah, and this is also the first case, hopefully of many, that is a request. Yes. From a listener, so it's very exciting. And it's also a very important case to talk about too. It's one of those ones that's a small town and we all know that I'm obsessed with those and I love bringing light to those and it's just really important. So we're so excited to be doing this case. Mm -hmm. um, and without further ado, we'll be covering the case of Brooke, Brooke Bennett. Bennett. So before we start this episode, we want to give a little of uh, a warning. Yes. So this case that we're going to talk about today, it involves crimes of a sexual nature against minor girls. And we also talk a lot about grooming and manipulation of minors as well. Mm -hmm. So I know that this content can be disturbing and triggering for some people. So we're just going to do a content warning. Um, if this stuff is not for you, no worries. Skip ahead. We'll see you next week. No big deal. No big deal. No pressure. It's a lot. Yes. We get it. Mm -hmm. So no worries. As always, let's start with our sources. Katie, would you like to go first? Sure. I pulled an article from ABC News. VermontDigger.org had a really good article. They did. Um, USA Today covered this. And also a lot of information I found was from Web Sleuths. Right. They had a lot of good stuff, too. Mm -hmm. And that was part of the stuff that our listener sent us, which yeah, is amazing. That was awesome. Great resources. I had also all of those, as well as My NBC 5 VPR News, and Find a Grave. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So, Brooke Marie Bennett was born July 12, 1995, in Randolph, Vermont. Um... At the time of this incident, Brooke had just finished seventh grade at Braintree Middle School. She was an avid basketball player, and she also played lacrosse, which is, those are two very intense sports, yeah. so props to her. Um, some of her favorite things to do included playing with her dog, Scruffy, and her cat, Lily, and this hit my heart so hard. She also really loved to watch SpongeBob and Hannah Montana. She's a child. She was literally a child. Like... I also love to watch those things yeah. now. Yeah. Like, literally. Come on now. L she's a little girl. Yeah. She was an active member of her local Girl Scout troop, 
which is amazing. I love that. There's so many great things you learn in Girl Scouts. Um, and like most teenage girls at this point, she, you know, liked social media. Back then there wasn't a whole bunch of social media. Mm -hmm. This was 2008. So she used MySpace and MySpace was her, her thing. You know, that's how she talked to her friends after school, you know, I never used MySpace myself. I think it was a little before my time, mm -hmm. but we all know that early 2000s, late, yes. you know, that was classic. Oh, you, classic. You used MySpace. So that's what Brooke did. She used MySpace. That yeah. was one of her things. Um, so that's just a little bit about Brooke. She's yeah. just a typical, you see her picture and you think that's literally someone from when we were in middle school. Like yeah. she looks like people we'd be friends with. She looks like a sweet 12 year old girl. Yep. So her parents, Cassandra Adams and Jim Bennett, they had had a brief relationship that resulted in Brooke being born in 1995. And when this incident occurred, they were very worried and very concerned for their daughter. Mm -hmm. um, they seemed to have a really good co-parenting relationship and Brooke really loved her parents and they, yeah. had, they seemed to have a good relationship altogether. Right. And she had a few like half siblings from both mm -hmm. of her parents. So she, she had a good family that she, you know, was very close with. Yeah. They loved her and they cared for her very much. And so when this incident occurred, they were very worried and very upset. Right. It wasn't like Brooke to disappear. No. So June 25th of 2008, it started off like any other day, really. Um, school had just finished, and now the summer was ahead of them. It was summer in Vermont, so, I mean, it's not like California heat, but it still gets pretty warm. Mm -hmm. um, perfect for outdoor activities like a pool party, for example. Um, you know, just a simple, classic summer day. Mm -hmm. It was about 9.20 when Brooke was last seen alive. Um, she was seen in a surveillance footage, or at least there is surveillance footage available of her at a Cumberland Farms in Randolph, Vermont. Um, this is where she was dropped off by her uncle, Michael Jakes. Um, in the video, you can see it. They are both at the counter and they both leave and you can see in the video, they take off in opposite directions. So it's very bizarre, but they go off in opposite directions. Mm -hmm. Um, Michael Jakes, he gets in the car, his car, and Brooke is walking down the road. She's going, she thinks she's going to a pool party, essentially. Basically, through MySpace, she kind of had learned about a pool party that her schoolyard crush was going to be at. And she was led to believe that her crush wanted her to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, so of course, who among us, like I would do the same thing. I'd be like, Oh, get my cutest little tankini and I'm going to this pool party. So she, I mean, you know, she was dropped off at the Cumberland Farms. She took off down the road. She was going to go to the pool party. Mm -hmm. Essentially. But a thing about this is that she had told her parents or she had told mm, someone that right. the reason that she was being dropped off at this Cumberland Farms was to wait to get a ride to visit a sick friend. Yeah. So... I wonder if she had told her parents this instead of telling them, I'm going to go meet a boy at a pool party. Yeah. Um, so when Brooke did not turn up home that night, this is when they realized something was very wrong. Yeah. And this actually is Vermont's first ever Amber Alert that was issued. This, That's this case. Crazy. In 2008. The first ever. So that speaks to the state, you know, right. how, how safe Vermont is. And it's, I think it's probably one of the safest states. It is like truly. Yeah. Oh yeah. But anyway, so she unfortunately was the first Amber alert. Yes. Um, so 
It was around 9 p.m. that night when Brooke's family called the police and were like, our daughter is not home. This is not like this is not like her. Something's wrong. And they were right. They were absolutely right to call her, regardless of even if she was okay. Mm-hmm. They were absolutely right. And um, yeah, they they called the Amber Alert. And this is when their world changed, essentially. Um, what happened, you know, we'll get into what happened. But essentially, we learned that, you know, the last person that was with Brooke was her uncle, Michael Jakes. Now, Michael Jakes, and I wrote this in my my notes, and I'll read it to you verbatim. Michael Jakes was genuinely a piece of flaming hot human garbage. (laughs) Because he was. He, and if you look at his picture, he looks like a used (laughs) Q-tip. He really does. And it's, and I'm laughing because it's true. Yeah. He's this tall, skinny, man his the look on his face Ugh. in not just one of the photos i've seen of him but most of the pictures i'm like oh my god y- yeah just he looks he's ugly mm-hmm. he looks dumb he and when you learn other things about him you n- realize that yeah mm-hmm. he's about as useful as a used q-tip let's talk about this mm. piece of shit so michael jakes he was 42 years old at this time and he was Brooke's uncle, so this is Brooke's father's brother. He has a history of crimes against young girls. In mm-hmm. 1981 and 1982, he's alleged to have raped multiple teenage girls. And in 1993, he was convicted of aggravated sexual assault and kidnapping, and he did serve prison time for this. Yeah, so he had all these previous charges. Mm-hmm. He was known in the community for being a child sex offender and he was a registered sex offender at the time of this crime yeah he was a piece flaming hot piece of human garbage Mm -hmm. in 1985 there was a pregnant 15 year old who went to the police and said that she was carrying jake's child oh my god she was looking for an abortion like she really wanted i don't know if she had she ended up getting one i pray for her that she did um but she was pregnant with his child um and she had claimed that she had been sexually assaulted by him since she was 10 years old yeah, so now she's 15 and pregnant with his child. Oh, my God. And in 1987, Jakes was sexually assaulting a 13-year-old girl at his apartment after giving her alcohol. He got caught for this, and he took a plea deal and only served a three-year sentence, which was eventually, don't worry, guys, expunged from his record. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, so like you said, 1993, he was convicted of aggravated assault and kidnapping, mm-hmm an 18-year-old Rutland high school student. And he received like a 6 to 20-year sentence. But don't worry, guys. He got out in three years. This is what I don't understand. And this is not on the state of Vermont because this happens in all 50 states. These rapists, sexual assault predators, these predators, especially towards children, Mm -hmm. are getting out on good behavior and they don't get sentenced to a long time period no no so they're out on the street in the blink of an eye because it's not viewed as like a violent crime in the eyes of law enforcement no which is insane so they go and they commit these acts against children they serve mere years years. Yeah, yeah three years if we're lucky and then they're back on the street and sorry but three years is not going to change somebody no 
life in prison would not change these people. No. So guess what they do when they get out of prison is they go right back to doing what they were doing. Exactly. No shit. Yep. Yep. So 2000, he requested release from the sex offender treatment, which he was on, you know, through that conviction. And that was granted. He was good. (laughs) And then 2006, he was actually officially released from his probation um, for the 1993 assault. So now he was like a free, like genuinely a free man. Roaming the streets. Uh (sighs) So one of the acts that he did, this is in 2003. So he initiated an act, and this would snowball into Brooke's abduction and her murder. Yeah. He, Michael, had targeted a nine-year-old girl, and he had written her a letter. Um, So in the court documents that we saw, her Mm -hmm. name is left out of this because she's a minor. She's, we're going to talk about some of the things that she went through. It's awful and so traumatic, and her name does not deserve to be dragged through this repeatedly. I'm sure that the whole court proceedings were already so traumatic for her. I'm sure. So in the court documents, she's referred to as Juvenile One or J1 Mm -hmm. for short, so that's how we are going to refer to her as well. Yes. Um, Michael had left a letter under her pillow telling J1 that she had been chosen for a secret society called Breckenridge and that Michael was selected to be her trainer. And if she did not participate and if she did not have sex with him, she would be killed. And she was also told that she had to have a certain success rate in order to graduate from this program. This is essentially a sex ring that Michael had fabricated and made up. A fictitious child sex ring. And get this, you might be wondering how Michael Jakes was able to put a note under this child's pillow. It is because he was related to her. Yeah. Which makes it ten times worse. Oh, for sure. Because this is someone that this child thinks that they can trust. Mm -hmm. And this is how this pedophile has an in with this girl. And then gains an in with Brooke, which we'll talk about the whole thing. Yeah, it's disgusting. Mm -hmm. It's sad. This poor little girl at just nine years old Mm -hmm. is just the beginning of being sexually groomed by this awful human Q-tip. He's disgusting, and it just breaks your heart. Awful. So this incident with Brooke happened in 2008. Mm -hmm. So Michael is manipulating and grooming J1 for five years. Five whole years. Five years. He's sending her texts, emails, notes that are ordering her to continue to have sex with Michael, Mm -hmm. or else her and her family would be killed. He threatened to slit her throat if she didn't continue. Can you imagine hearing that as a child? No. That someone's going to slit your throat if you don't have sex with these men. Someone you're related to. For five years. And she was being sexually abused and tortured on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. And she told police that she had met three other men who said that they were part of Breckenridge. And they told her things that she needed to do and things that she needed to work on and improve on. So she could, quote unquote, graduate from this program. Yeah. This program is made up. Mm -hmm. There's no... Breckenridge sex ring. This nope. is all fabricated. A ploy yeah. to manipulate this girl into doing what these men want. They're child predators. It's disgusting. It's absolutely awful. And Jake's literally this disgusting man. He not only was you know sexually abusing and grooming this little girl, mm-hmm. he was threatening her, threatening her family. At one point, he killed the family dog and hung its carcass in the basement. Mm-hmm. Yep. I read that somewhere, and I just about vomited. 
Yeah, he he was trying to show that he meant business, and this fuck fucking fuckwad. Sorry, Grammy, if you're listening. He, I apologize for all my swearing. He literally, uh, yeah, he he meant business. He really did. I can't even imagine, like, being a child and enduring all of this and seeing this, and of course you're going to do what these people say. Yeah. Of course you are. You're scared. You're being groomed. groomed. You're being manipulated. You're being threatened. And these threats are real. Uh Uh-huh. If that's what he did to the dog, what is he going to do to a child that he's related to? So he has power over her already. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's awful. So in 2008, Michael used J1, who is now 14 Mm -hmm. years old, to target 12-year-old Brooke and manipulate her so that Michael could gain access to Brooke. And unfortunately, it worked. Mm -hmm. At no fault of J1. No. Um, Unfortunately, it did work. Um, You know, he convinced her that Jake's convinced J1 that Brooke was going to be a member of Breckenridge Mm -hmm. and that she essentially needed to help recruit her. Um, And I'm sure, you know, J1 probably felt that this was a good thing because then she'd have someone with her. Yeah. I can imagine that's probably what she was thinking. Or maybe if these men would go to Brooke, she might get a break. Right. She had been tortured for so fucking Mm -hmm. long. Weekly basis or more for five years. So maybe she's thinking if another girl is involved, Mm -hmm. maybe I will have someone to go through this with. I'll have a friend. Or maybe I'll get a break. A break. From this. I don't blame her at all for thinking that if that's what she was thinking. So June 26th, now it's been, you know, the Amber Alert was issued at 9, mm-hmm. um, or the, she was reported missing at 9 p.m. the night before. So now it's June 26th, and Amber Alert is issued for the state of Vermont. Um, detectives and officers who are a part of the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force arrived at Jake's home, and this is mostly because he was last seen with Brooke. Yeah. And so they arrive at his home. They ask to see his home desktop, which when I read desktop, I was like, remember when those were a thing? (laughs) Back 2008. (laughs) My God, seriously. Um, And his work laptop, which he did consent to those searches. And, you know, the FBI and the police called his work and confirmed that that was indeed his work laptop. Like it was issued from his work. Um, Jake's actually voluntarily pointed the officers to Brooke's MySpace page. And there was a post there was a post Mm -hmm. written the morning before or it was like a message it was something you know it was on her myspace page written by her that kind of answered some questions they were having and now let me read you some of these things that um were said um it was like a post well the post basically was saying like Conveniently, she was going to meet someone. That was what she was typing out. Like, that was what it said, that she had plans to meet someone. This MySpace post, it does not look like it was written by a 12-year-old girl. Curious. Yeah, I'll read some of it to you. I do want to see you in the morning, so please meet me, dot, 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 letter U, nowhere, period. So basically, it was like saying, like, I think that was clearly written by an older man, like, saying, like, yeah, meet me up, you know where, wink. Like, so it seems ominous, and, like, she had plans. Mm -hmm. And then it also said, this girl don't sneak out of her house at 2 in the morning for just any man. OMG, if people knew me for real. That literally screams, 
I'm a 42-year-old man pretending to be a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> and that, the nature of those messages are not at all like Brooke. No. That's not how she talked to her friends. That's not how she communicated. It's not how anyone talked. No. <laughs> like, it literally was like, all caps, OMG. And then all the letters, like, at two in the morning, the letter, the number four, just for anyone. Like, it was just... No, and that's not how... For this girl to be spending so much of her time on MySpace, yeah, this is not how she communicated. And also, I think that it's a pretty big red flag that Michael is so forthcoming with this information. Yep. He's like, oh my god, look at this. You'll yeah. never believe what Brooke wrote on her MySpace. Like, how are you? How do you how know do this? How do you know that? Mm-hmm. And this is the really crazy part. That was a part of these... Um, the like affidavit that mm-hmm. the listener sent to us. Yeah, this is the crazy part. So the FBI invest- investigators are they did some deep analysis of these, like this um, MySpace post, and the weird post that was made by Brooke was made from Jake's laptop at 11:40 p.m. on June 24th, the night before she went missing. Further analysis revealed that the post was edited and reposted from the same laptop at 11.52 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on June 24th. But then again, it was re-edited on June 25th the next day, the day that Brooke went missing, Hmm. at 10.36 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that was an hour after Brooke was reported missing by her parents. Now here's the weird thing. During the last login, it was discovered that the timing of the post was manually changed to be posted at or say it was posted at 7.46 a.m. on June 25th, so that morning. So basically, whoever had done it went in and made it look like she had posted it that morning before she went missing, like she was going to meet someone. That's not even the craziest part. The IP address used to log into Brooke's MySpace after 10.36 p.m. on June 25th, so that time when it was um, posted an hour after she was reported missing, that IP address belonged to a man named Kevin Grosenheiden of San Antonio, Texas. What the fuck? What the, right? It doesn't end there. It was discovered here that he had two logins from that IP address in San Antonio um, onto Brooks MySpace page, and the FBI learned that the post was manually changed to 11.46 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So with the time changes, that makes it 7.46 a.m., which is when it was manually changed, so it made it look like Brooke posted that the morning she disappeared. So whoever was doing these changes was in Texas, which had a different time zone. So when they changed it, it reflected it here in, um, in Vermont. Very confusing, I know, I know. That's just insane. Yeah. So June 29th, the next day, Michael Jakes is arrested on unrelated child sex cases. It's believed that the arrest was made due to the evidence that was discovered when he voluntarily offered his desktop and his laptop to Mm -hmm. the police. Um, This is when J1, our juvenile, uh, admits to being sexually groomed by Jake's for the past five plus years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it came out then that she was being instructed to, you know, be trained by Jake's. And as a part of like the secret club of Breckenridge and that Mm -hmm. she had to maintain a certain percentage. Mm -hmm. I think it's, she said that she had to be at 75% to graduate. Oh my God. And as far as she knew, she had finally made it up to 50%. (gasps) 
for five years. Yeah. Oh my fucking yep. god. So let's talk about Michael having J1 rope in Brooke. Yeah. So Michael had written a text message that made it seem like it was from the boy that Brooke liked and mm-hmm. was going to go to the pool party with. And he forced J1 to forward this text message to Brooke. Yeah. So this message involved this pretend boy asking Brooke to attend a pool party. And this pool party, ever so conveniently, would be at Michael's house. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So Brooke had not been at the Cumberland Farms to get a ride to see the sick friend. She had used that as an excuse. And she thought that she was going to her uncle's house to attend a pool party where this boy would be there. Right. So when she received this text message, you know, from J1 and from this boy, and then J1 is backing it, oh my gosh, he's so excited, you have to go, you have to go, he's so excited to see you. Brooke's reply to that text was, OMG, he really sent those to you, that's awesome. Yeah. She's getting so excited, she's 12 years old, she's thinking, this is amazing, J1 is hyping it up. Oh yeah. Because J1 is being forced. Right. We need to get Brooke involved with this, make Mm -hmm. it make Brooke think that she's going to this pool party. Yep. So, so she thought she was. Mm-hmm. That was June 29th when Michael Jakes was officially arrested unrelated to Brooke's case, but this is when he was officially named a suspect yes. in Brooke's um, disappearance. June 30th, it was discovered that a man named Gagnon, who was actually a former stepfather of Brooke and a friend of Jakes, um, rented a room from a man named Kevin Grosenheiden, in San Antonio, Texas. He was interviewed by the Vermont State Police and the FBI, and Gagnon admitted to having access Brooke's MySpace page from a laptop after being given the login information from Michael Jakes. Yeah, and this was the point Gagnon decided to spill everything and admitted that he had downloaded a vast amount of child pornography on his laptop, including from Russia specifically, I guess. He was very specific about that. And he kept it on his laptop and hard drive, and he kept locked in a, in a safe. So obviously he knew he had, it was wrong, mm-hmm. it was bad, you know, he should not have child pornography on his computer. He claimed that he had pictures of and videos of children as young as five years old. Oh my mm-hmm. god. And he also admitted that he had pictures um, sent to him from Jake's of J1 and her sexual, of J1 having sex with her also juvenile boyfriend, sometime referred to as J2. Oh my god. Yep. And so it was also at this time, and it's mentioned in the affidavit, that Gagnon admitted that he and Jake's engaged in sexual intercourse with J1. Jesus fucking Christ. At the same time, like, together. Um, This poor child. Yeah. Yeah. This little girl. I can't imagine. I know. I know. It's awful. Oh, and he also admitted that um, he called his landlord, Grosenheider, or Hayden, at 4.30 a.m. on June 30th and asked if he could dispose of the safe. As far as I can tell, Grosenheiden did not know the contents of the safe or what was going on. He was just the landlord, and mm-hmm. he threw away the safe like in a dumpster, and it was never found. But it doesn't sound like he knew exactly what he was getting himself into. Mm-hmm. They didn't mention him again. I don't think he was charged with anything. He might have been for like tampering with evidence, mm-hmm. but I'm not 100% sure. Um, <sighs> according to analysis of phone records, 
Jakes and Gagnon called each other four times between 9.26 p.m. and 11.14 p.m. on June 25th, and that was the night Brooke disappeared. And on June 26th, there was two phone calls before 1 a.m., one that was 23 minutes long and one that was 24 minutes long. So they were clearly co-conspiring. This was not... This was a joint effort. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And they had been plotting, or Michael Jakes had been plotting to kidnap and murder his niece for at least over a month. Which is awful. At least over a month. So he's exchanging emails with J1. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had manipulated her into thinking that this fake sex ring, Breckenridge, had decided to target Brooke. Mm-hmm. So it's not clear as to whether Michael Jakes had created at least two fake profiles or if these two fake profiles were other men. Yeah. Because J1 did say that she did have sexual contact with at least three other men as part awful. of the program. So awful. Um, so these two fake profiles with the usernames Raul Domingo and Chevy Pickup were used to correspond over email with J1 mm-hmm. about what the plan was with getting Brooke. Just a quick timeline. There's so many emails and it the affidavit that we were sent by that listener shows us the full the whole thing, the full correspondence. But these yep. are the highlights. On May 28th, Raul Domingo emailed that they needed to find a way to get Brooke involved with Breckenridge soon, and that J1 had replied back, suggesting how to set up the abduction. And then she went on to say that she wanted to see Brooke suffer to see how she liked it. Oh, that's awful. On June 20th, an email from Raul Domingo wrote. I want to know if you're willing to help with the takedown and the tie-up on Wednesday morning. And J1 wrote back saying that she would be willing to help. On June 23rd, and this is where J1's boyfriend, J2, comes back into the picture. Okay, yeah. On June 23rd, J1 was instructed to have her boyfriend, J2, ejaculate on her stomach. And she was told to take a clean, plain tissue and clean it up, mm-hmm. and then place it in a plastic Ziploc bag and hide it. A tissue with semen was found next to Brooke's torn underwear the day after she disappeared when her clothing was found. And this is so fucked because this just speaks to the level of manipulation and grooming that J1 went through yeah. to be asked to frame her own boyfriend for this crime. Another juvenile as well. Another juvenile that was also involved in this. Yeah. Awful. It's so sad. (sighs) Awful. So, J1 said to the police that she left the home once Michael began bringing Brooke upstairs. Right. And she left the home with J2. Right. So, this brings us to July 2nd. Mm -hmm. Brooke's body at around 445 is found in a field near Crocker Road in Randolph, Vermont, which is about one mile from Jake's apartment. One mile. She's found buried in a very shallow grave covered with dirt. Um, at this point, you know, talking to J1, it was discovered what happened that day. Um, when J1, Jakes, and Brooke went back to his apartment, they went and the girls watched TV together into the afternoon when at one point Jakes convinced Brooke to go to his bedroom because he had a magic trick to show her. Now I want to tell you guys, never, ever, ever, when a when a man tells a child that he wants to show them a, a magic trick, it's never a magic trick. It's never something innocent. It's always malicious. No, or candy, or a puppy, no. or help with directions, or help no. me with this, or help me with no. no, 
No. The intentions are never good when a grown man feels the need to ask a child for anything. Even to talk to them. To, no. Truly. No. Nope. Go out of their way to talk to a little girl they don't know. Or a little boy. And this is so disturbing yeah. because, you know, you teach your kids, don't talk to strangers, don't trust strangers. This, this is no stranger. stranger to Brooke. This is her uncle. This is her yeah. family member. Why would she not trust him? Yeah. Why would she not take his word for it yeah. that he does want to go show her a magic trick? Exactly. There, exactly. Some people with this case had said, you know, Brooke was 12 years old. She was naive. She was innocent. Yes, she was because she was a child and she was right. 12. Yeah. But she had no reason to question her family member and her relative that she trusted. Agreed. I totally agree. And with cases like this, it just speaks to the fact that when children are molested or sexually assaulted or groomed, it is more often than not someone that they already know. Yes. Absolutely. Disturbing as fuck. It is. It is. Um, so, you know, he had a magic trick to show her, brought Brooke to his bedroom, and he drugged Brooke and then raped her. And then at this point, he pulled a plastic Walmart bag over her head and then suffocated her. J1 claims that she never saw Brooke leave the house after that because at this point she was instructed to leave. Um, so her boyfriend, J2, picked her up and she, she never saw Brooke leave. So she didn't know that she had been murdered. I don't think she knew at all. I, I don't think she knew either. I think that the extent to which she knew what was going to happen was that Brooke would be initiated into this Breckenridge program. Right, right. She, I don't think that J1 would have imagined Brooke being murdered. No. Especially because none of the email correspondence mentioned murdering Brooke. They just right. mentioned things of a sexual nature that they would do to her as part right. of the program, but I don't think that J1 knew that she would be murdered. I don't think so either. Um, at this point, I think with J1's testimony and information with Brooke's body, with that surveillance camera, with the information they got from the IP address from mm -hmm. the MySpace post and like how clearly obvious it wasn't Brooke posting that, they ultimately apprehended Michael Jakes. So it was then that um, basically it all came to an end and Michael Jakes was, mm -hmm. was arrested for the rape and abduction and murder of Brooke Bennett. <sighs> Yeah. Twelve year old Brooke Bennett. Yeah. Twelve years old. Michael Jakes pled guilty to kidnapping four charges of producing child pornography, one charge of possession of child pornography, and death resulting. And the pornography charges were related to his abuse of J1. Yeah. So and crazy enough, it took five years for this mm -hmm. trial to happen. Mm -hmm. So of course this happened in June of you know, 2008. His trial didn't happen until May of 2013. That's what I don't understand. I don't either, man. Like, I don't what either, the man. Fuck? I don't. I, these poor. This family knew who did it, and this guy was just sitting waiting for trial, and they knew this whole time that this fucker was just sitting there. And I don't know. I could. I would imagine that it would be harder for a family to cope with the fact that it was a family member. That this was one of their own. Yeah. I, it's so sad. I don't know if it would be more comforting to know that it was a stranger. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine. I know. But the fact that this was someone that, this was their family. Yeah. And he did this to his niece. Yep. A 12-year-old fucking girl. And J1 was also of relation to right. Michael Jakes. 
awful. So what the fuck? I'm telling you, this guy was a piece of flaming hot garbage. Awful, awful human being. Ex- poor excuse of a human being. Mm-hmm. <sighs> So that trial happened in 2013. He pled guilty of six federal counts, including kidnapping, rape, and the murder of his niece. Mm -hmm. The trial ends with Jake's receiving life in prison plus 70 years with no possibility of parole. This deal was made in exchange for not receiving the death penalty if Jake's promised that he would never appeal the sentence. So he would basically spend the rest of his life in jail without parole, without anything, like no, never appealing for, you know, probation and whatever. And so he currently sits in prison, rotting away because he's a piece of human garbage and did an absolutely unthinkable, Mm -hmm. so many unthinkable things. Yep. For the sentencing hearing, Brooke's mother, Cassandra, she had filled five entire notebooks with things that she wanted to say to her former brother-in-law. She was just going off. She's yeah. so upset. I can't even imagine. Oh, my God. So upset. During the hearing, she confronted him. Good. And she stated, you're a coward. Look at me. You're a monster and a filthy pig. I hate you. I despise you. And you make me physically ill. Fifteen members of Brooke's family attended, and they were all wearing purple, which was her favorite color. Oh. And a picture we have of her up on her Instagram. It's a, I think it's a school photo. Yeah. The background of it is purple. Purple. I love that. I love that. She also had purple streaks in her hair. Nice. Mm -hmm. I love that. Literally a little girl. Yep. Um, And because Michael was a registered sex offender at the time of Brooke's murder, it resulted in a complete overhaul of Vermont's sex offender laws, and Michael's crimes were described as unprecedented in Vermont history. Wow. Yeah, it was no joke. He, Mm -mm. He was a fucked, sick individual. And he is rightfully in prison for the rest of his life, and I hope he rots. Mm -hmm. And my one solace with this is that the prison justice system within is that pedophiles and people who do things like this to children get what's coming for them in prison. Uh, Yes. And I, God, I hope that he gets it. Oh, he's going to get his ass. If he hasn't already. Mm -hmm. Good. Or he's being a pussy in solitary. Yeah. Because... I'm sure he is. For his own protection. Because he Ugh. would get his shit rocked. Oh, for sure. If they, if the other inmates knew what the extent of what he did. Absolutely. Whew, another tough one. Yeah, that pretty much covers Brooke Bennett. Thank you so much to the listener that sent us all the information about this case and suggested this case for us to cover. I think it's a very meaningful case. Yeah. It's very important that we talk about these things, even though it's very, very hard. And it's important to remember that these things happen even in the smallest of towns in the safest of areas. It's awful. It's one of those things like you it's not, it can't happen in our town. It Mm -hmm. won't happen in our, it does. Small town Vermont. This was the first time an Amber Alert was issued in 2008. Yeah. Wow. I know. I know. Safe states, you think. So it's, it really is just sad. So Mm -hmm. thank you again to our listener for sending that in to us. Um, it just breaks your heart. It really does. And I, you know, I, I hope now Brooke has some peace. You know, mm-hmm. she's was brought to justice by this crazy, awful, disgusting man. And I'm so glad that he was apprehended because he deserves the worst. And I hope that J1 finds peace as well. And she's too. able to recover from this. It's going to be a long, hard road. I can't even imagine. I hope she's okay. Mm-hmm. That's just... That's 
awful from such a young age being groomed that's terrible yeah and she's not to blame for this no no regardless of her role in it she is not to blame she was 14 and she was groomed for years and years and years with her someone she trusted Mm -hmm. yeah so it's sad it's very sad that things like that aren't just like creepy pasta you know like they're real stories Mm -hmm. awful you can't make this shit up no that's yeah it's terrible it's terrible telling you man yeah and for other families to be fearing for their children thinking that their kids could be manipulated into this sex ring Mm -hmm. that wasn't even real it was all fabricated to manipulate these girls i know oh my god i know how sick do you have to be to make up a sex ring a fictitious child secret sex club and other people were involved yeah the fact that other people yeah other people got involved i can't believe it i can't i can't even i can't even i hate people i really do mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah so that pretty much covers that's the case covers of brooke, brooke bennett. bennett yeah thank you guys for listening mm-hmm. we appreciate it very very much as always you can find us on twitter and instagram at true crime any all lowercase you can email us at truecrimene at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And as exciting as ever, you can find us at our website, truecrimene.com. Yes, and you can submit us stories as well using our handy-dandy submission tool we have on there, our submission form. Please do. You can send us stuff. Name is optional. If you want us to cover it on here, awesome. If you want us to mention it in like an intro, too awesome if you don't want us to cover it all and if you don't want us to talk about it on here and you just want to share something with us too fine awesome we would love love it we would love love it it. either way i love it yeah it's great and before we go i do just want to um it's gonna be hard for me but i wanted to shout out my grandma who is probably our biggest fan she listens to all the episodes and sometimes she tells me that like she'll fall, she'll fall asleep while listening or like not pay attention, <laughs> so she'll re-listen. And I and I just think that's so sweet because so well, one she wants to get all the information, but then that gives us like a tick in our listening. Yes. So I'm like, thanks, Graham. So sweet. She's um, one of my best friends, and uh, she is going through um, a tough fight right now. But um, I just wanted to say I love you, Graham, and we're here for you. Mm-hmm. And. Thank you for being my biggest supporter. Um, anyway, I just wanted to give her a shout out because she, I want her to know how important she is to me and to the uh, analytics of our podcast. <laughs> um, and with that, we'll see you guys next week. See you guys next week. Okay, bye. bye.